0: You might not know a lot about me, but I actually grew up in Neptune Beach. My mom still has our house um, off of Seagate and Penman, so you can go say hi to her if you want to. But I went to Fletcher High School, like many of you that are out here, and I just continue to follow God throughout high school until I ended up here as the kids' pastor. And tonight you're gonna hear a little bit more about that story, but I just wanted to give you the basic details about who Courtney is and why I'm here. If you guys have been with us the past two weeks at United, we have been learning about school, home, and the gospel and how we can take Take the gospel home and bring it back home so we can share it with our families. Week one, Ryan, he talked all about how difficult it can be for us to share our faith at home and why it's so difficult. It's because they see all of our flaws. They see the when we yell. They see when we don't brush our teeth guilty. They see when we don't take a shower. They see when we eat random foods and we leave our wrappers underneath the couch. That's my brother. And they see all the ins and outs and the dirty things about us. They see our good behavior, our bad behavior, and how difficult it is for us to be like Christ when they know all of our junk. And then last week, Ryan talked about how we can honor our parents and the fifth commandment to honor our mother and father. And tonight we're going to pour into how we can actually take the gospel home. And we're going to look at a a couple different stories about how we can do that. But first, let's pray. Ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity. This opportunity to share this story tonight with these students. God, I just ask that your words would be my words. God, that you would speak in and through me. And God, that we would just, um, we would be able to rest in your word tonight, God. That we'd be able to know that person in our family that you've laid on our hearts. That they would come to our mind as we speak this evening. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, before I talk about your family, I thought you should meet my family. And so I have a couple pictures up here. And I basically took the, like, um, highlight reel of my life. Um, This is my sister, Melissa, and this pretty much defines our relationship, okay? So I'm always in her face, and she's like, get out of my face, Courtney. But she loves me. She's four years younger than me. Then we have my brother, Tanner. Where's Tanner? There's Tanner. Yes, you might have seen him around here. He hangs out with you guys sometimes. And then we have my mom. Where's my mom? There's Terre Bear. She's great. I call her Terry. She hates it. It's awesome. Um, And then let's go to the next one. This is my dad, Jim, James, if you will. And this is us at the Ed Sheeran concert. He got major dad points by taking me to see Ed Sheeran. Love that. Okay, and then Pause, don't show any other pictures. My family is like probably a lot of your families. My family used to be together and now they're not. I have two families now. Um, I like to call them our bonus family. My bonus mom calls us her bonus children, therefore, she's my bonus mom. And so I'm going to introduce you to Lori. Where's Lori? Hello, here's Lori and my dad. Lori and my dad got married about two and a half years ago. And there was a long rocky road to get there in my life. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that tonight. And then along came with Lori, two more brothers. Yay, me. So this is Michael and this is Jack. And they're my bonus bros. And don't we look awesome? Come on, (laughs) y'all. Wedding pictures are the bomb. They're the best. So basically chose the whole highlight reel. Some of those were from Instagram. You can go scroll later. But that's my family. And my family is not the family I thought I would have. right? So like I look at my family, like Melissa and Tanner, I'm like, oh yeah, they're my siblings. Awesome. And then all of a sudden, oh look, there's a Lori and a Jack and a Michael. Where did they come from? Wasn't planning on that. And I still had to figure out how to be Jesus to my entire family. Now, I started telling my sister that I was talking about how to take the gospel home. And she basically, I said, Melissa, how did I do with that? And she goes, you were terrible at it. You were awful at it. And I was like, awesome. This is going to be really fun. Awesome. But really, it humbled me when I started thinking about how to take the gospel home as a student. When I was in y'all's shoes... Guys, I was always in the church. I was just always here doing anything. I hung out at the pastor's house because his daughter was my best friend. I was trying to get all the Christian points in the room, right? They needed somebody to come paint a wall. Okay, I'll do that. Hey, we need you to come cut this out. Okay, I got that. We need you to organize that. Okay, I got this. I would spend so much time at the church and tried to ignore my family as best I could, which is completely the opposite of what we're talking about tonight. I did everything to get away from them when I really should have been pouring into them you see my mom and my dad they grew up taking us to church as i grew up they would take us to church so i always assumed okay my dad believes in god my mom believes in god my mom would teach vbs so that meant she extra believed in god right and she would she would take us to church each and every sunday but then when i was 18 my parents got divorced it was something i did not see coming You see, my dad was overseas in Iraq, and I figured, ah, they're fine. They'll bit back together. And I'm off at college, and I'm like, yeah, I'm at college. I really didn't act like that in college. I was like, yeah, I'm at college. Cool. But then my parents told me on my first break home that they were getting divorced, and my world was rocked. From the girl who ignored her family, I was extra mad at my family, all right? So I went from being like, "Uh, I just don't like them. I don't want to be around them to "Uh, I hate them, right? Why would they do this to me? Of all things, why would they do this to me? And I made it all me-centric. It was all about me all the time. And it took a long time to get to the point where I could show you this picture of Lori and my dad and like call her my bonus mom and be happy about it. Like I truly have joy about it because of some things that God revealed to me. You see, when I started learning about God's word and I started realizing God's call on my life to be an, a minister, a pastor of the gospel, to share the gospel with you guys, there was a scripture that the Lord revealed to me that, I, that just rocked my world. It's in 1 Timothy 3, 5, and it said, If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? And that sucker rocked my world. I realized that I was really, really good at taking care of the church, but I was really bad at taking care of my family. And so God began to change and shift some stuff in me from being the person who would just shut down and get defensive every time my siblings would try to ask me a question. I began to have to think about, okay, I actually, like, have to be open to talking to them. Like, I need to, like, spend time with them. And that was difficult for me. It was really hard for me because I always wanted to do the things of God instead of being with the people of God. And so Jesus, Jesus had to show me a lot. He had to show me a lot of my failures, and through the Holy Spirit revealed to me that things needed to change in my life. One of those things was realizing that not every person in my family actually loved Jesus. I wonder how many of you guys out here tonight can relate to that. Is there somebody in your immediate family, or maybe your extended family, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, that you can think about right now, and you know they don't know who Jesus is? They maybe have heard of Jesus, maybe God, maybe heard of church because your grandma made them go one time, but you know they don't have an active relationship with Jesus. And I began to do the roll call in my head. Okay, Melissa, does Melissa believe in Jesus? Well, I had gone on mission trips with my sister. I had seen her live her faith out. Yes, I knew Melissa believed in Jesus. Tanner, I got to baptize Tanner when he decided that he was going to follow Jesus and proclaim it with his whole life. My mom, after really sorting through some stuff, because my mom, she's, she loves to talk, and it's great, I realized, yeah, my mom gives her whole life to follow Jesus. Then my dad, I got to my dad, and I realized, okay, I know my dad used to go to church with us, but does, does dad believe in Jesus? Ooh, I don't know about this. And this all started happening around the time my parents were getting divorced, all right? So I was angry at my dad. I'm like, I don't want to know whether he believes or not in Jesus. I don't like him anymore. And I would just go on with my life. And so over time, throughout college, over about five to six years, God just started saying, you need to ask your dad. You need to ask your dad. Who's that person you're thinking about in your head? Got him? Who's that person that you need to ask about Jesus? Well, mine was my dad. And my dad and I had to work on building our relationship before I could even have that conversation. I realize that each one of us comes from a different home life, right? Some of you guys have a really tight-knit family, right? You can talk about anything with your family. Your parents and your mom and your dad, they're always in your room at night tucking you into bed, which is a little bit weird, 11th grade boy, but it's okay. But some of you guys, your family, you can't even remember the last time y'all ate dinner together, right? Every one of our families looks different. But it's up to us to determine, who is that person? What is my role in my family and the way I share the gospel? Many of us, many of us probably don't dance through the house, right? Singing, I love Jesus. I go to church. I go to United. I love God. Woo! You should too. Right? None of y'all do that, right? Most, I do, but actually I don't do that. I don't do that either. We don't do that. And so it's up to the way that we live our actual lives for us to tell people the good news of Jesus. And it's going to look different, and we're going to walk through some of those things tonight. Now you're maybe wondering, all right, Courtney, cool, you're telling me I need to do this. You're just a person who loves God and is on stage telling us about the Bible. But it's actually the Bible that tells us what to do. In Acts 1 8, Jesus um, goes and says that you're gonna go and make disciples of all nations, right? Or excuse me, that's in Matthew 28. And then in Acts 1 8, they say you're gonna make disciples in Jerusalem, in the city. You're gonna make disciples in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that's like, let's think, Jack's Beach, all right? That's our Jerusalem. we're going to think like florida that's our judea then we're going to think like united states that's samaria and then the ends of the earth okay big awesome earth but where does he start he starts in our city better yet he starts that pinpoint in our homes in our homes where we came from i want to tell you two stories tonight okay first story is about jesus second story is about jesus that's Tyrol. All right. <laughs> so in the book of Luke, there is a, a passage of scripture in verse 41, and it talks about um, something that happened with Jesus and his parents. Now, in the Bible, we don't get a lot about Jesus from the time that he was a little baby born in a manger, right? In Bethlehem, all the way till he starts doing awesome miracles. But we do get this. We get a little bit of this. And I wanted to read it to you tonight. Here we go: Luke 2, verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, Jesus' parents found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard Jesus was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, "'Son, why have you treated us like this?' She probably didn't say it like that. But, you know, she was that worried mom. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Guys, Jesus' parents took him on a trip and left him there. I bet that's probably not happened to you, right? But Jesus, he stayed and he was sitting amongst the temple, um, temple priests and he was learning from them. And this is how Jesus responds. And I want us to think about this. Because you can read this verse two ways. And, and God showed me as I was studying this verse that the way I was reading it wasn't wrong. Was wrong, excuse me. The way I used to read it was, the way, this is what Jesus said in verse 49. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? As I read that verse, I was like, wait a second. For everything I know about who Jesus is and the example of his life, I'm not reading that right. I'm not reading that right. Instead, when Mary asks Jesus, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Kind, compassionate, not a care in the world, Jesus would say. But this is what the Bible tells us in verse 50. His parents did not understand what he was saying to them. You see, they didn't quite understand why Jesus wanted to be amongst those temple priests learning and talking to them and knowing all these answers. But Jesus, do you notice what he didn't do? He didn't say, I have to stay here in my house. I have to stay at church. I got to learn about who I am and why I'm here, and I got to do it now. He didn't say that to his parents. He gently responded to his mom, and then in verse 51, it tells us exactly what he did. It says, he went down to Nazareth with them. He was obedient to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature physically and in favor with God and man. You see, Jesus, what we learn from this passage is Jesus was starting, he knew his purpose. He knew why God had sent him to this earth. He knew what he was going to do. But instead, he chose to be obedient to his parents. Because one of the commentaries I read said that he, was, he had to be obedient to his parents, guys. He had to follow the law for him to fulfill all righteousness, to be that perfect man who committed no sin. You see, Jesus was obedient to what his parents wanted, even though he knew what his ultimate mission was. His relationship with God did not nullify his relationship with his parents. That's the thing I got wrong, guys. I thought, oh, my relationship with God trumps my relationship with you. You suck. I'm gee, God's awesome. That's wrong, right? The way I treated my parents was not God-honoring. It was not being obedient to honor thy father and mother. So that's one example. We can follow the young boy Jesus. And then another example that we're going to learn from tonight is from the book of Mark. And if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn, but I'm going to kind of glance over this story. So this story in Mark chapter 5 is about when Jesus encounters a demon-possessed man, okay? This guy was possessed by demons, and basically how the story goes down is that Jesus says to the spirit, come out of this man, and he sends the spirit into a pig, okay? Okay? You can read more of it later. Write that scripture down, Matthew 5. You know you want to learn about it. And and here's what the most important thing out of this whole passage is. Jesus performs this really awesome miracle, getting this impure spirit out of this person. And this person sees the person that Jesus is and the awesome healing power and miracles that Jesus can perform. And Jesus decides, okay, it's time to go. But the man latched on to Jesus. You see, he saw how awesome Jesus was, like many of us in this room have seen how awesome Jesus is and, and the man started coming down after Jesus as Jesus was getting into his boat. And in verse 19, this is, what, this is what happens. Jesus did not let the man get into his boat, but he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and the mercy he has had on you. And then in verse 20, it says, So the man went away and began to tell how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. You see, that man, he had seen the awesomeness of what Jesus could do, and he wanted to continue to follow Jesus, but Jesus knew that the miracle that had happened would be able to be spread amongst his hometown if he was to go back home. Have you ever been at like Epworth or on a mission trip? And you've experienced something really, really awesome, and you feel like, I need to tell everyone, and then you don't tell anyone. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. It's happened to me, but we need to be like this man, and we need to go home and tell everyone everywhere. Before we can focus on the nations on a mission trip, we got to focus on our homes. You got that person, that person in your family, that immediate family member, maybe that extended family member? I want want to ask you a couple questions. I want to ask you a couple questions. If you don't have your notes out, I want you to get your notes out, and I want you to take a couple notes down for me. Get your notes out. This is the first question I have for you. Based on my experience and what I've learned from the Bible, I ask you this. Do you know where your family stands? Do you know what the makeup of your family is? Have you ever thought about it? Some of you guys might not have parents who believe in Jesus. Maybe you don't even believe in Jesus now. But do you know where your family stands? What about your grandma and your grandpa? They matter too, guys. Your aunts and your uncles, your cousins, your stepbrothers and sisters. Where do they stand? Do they believe in God? Have they even accepted? Okay, there's a higher being out there that created all of us. Are they there? Do they believe in Jesus? Is that a question you've ever thought about asking them or ever even wondered about them? Until that scripture convicted me, guys, I never really thought about my cousins. I never really thought about their crazy lives. And I realized, wow, they're a part of my circle. They're the people in my family who God has given me. Knowing the answer to this question, do you know where your family stands? Until you know the answer to this question, you can't really do anything what I'm about to talk about. Because until you know where your family stands... You're not able to put the gospel into action because you're not sure how you're supposed to live it out. You see, some people are going to respond to the good news of Jesus differently than others. And you have to know about where your family's at before you can proceed. The next question I was going to ask you guys is, what is keeping you? Say you know where your family's at. You know your mom believes in Jesus, your dad doesn't, and that's always been this big tension in your house. What is keeping you from living the gospel out at home? And I don't mean the fake thing, okay? Not the fake thing. The fake, like, fear, not, excuse me, not the fake fear. Like the fake, like your siblings are rude. Well, she's just rude to me and mean to me all the time and always makes fun of me. Of course I'm not gonna share the gospel with her. Who cares? Her eternity's at stake, guys. Not the fake thing, like, oh my parents are divorced, woe with me. I've been there too. Their eternity's still at stake. Not the, oh, I'm too busy, I'm playing all these sports, I'm an ace program, I just can't share the gospel in my spare time. Not that fake thing, no, 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 no. Not the, I'm too grumpy, I'm too tired. I'm too pissed off, everyone in the world makes me angry. Not that fake thing, I mean the real thing. What keeps you from sharing the gospel at home? Are you scared you might not have all the answers? There's a fear inside of you? Are you worried that they might not listen to you? They might criticize you? Are you guilty that maybe you didn't talk to them sooner? That was me for a long time. When I realized I hadn't talked to my dad about his relationship with Jesus, I waited about a year and a half before I even started thinking about asking him. Because I was so guilty of what I hadn't done that I was frozen from moving forward. Or maybe, maybe you doubt, maybe you doubt that they might never give their life to Christ, that you know your parents don't believe in Jesus, neither do your siblings, and you show up here each and every Sunday, and you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you've know you just, you've, you've given up all hope. My parents are never going to know Jesus. What's keeping you from living the gospel out? What's the real thing? Not the fake thing. What's the real thing? And then this is the last question I have for you. Put it up there. Do you trust Jesus in a way that will transform how you love your family. You see, you can love your family on a surface level, but until you actually trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's not gonna change how you treat your family. That's what I've learned. I realized that I knew who Jesus was, but I wasn't trusting Jesus with each one of my family members. The way you trust Jesus will transform your family. So I ask you, think about it, write it down. Do you trust Jesus? in a way that will transform how you love your family. You see, all the money in the world isn't going to change the eternity of your family. Only our personal belief and trust in Jesus and our example of living it out is going to change anything in their life. It's not, they they still have to make that decision on their own, but you're going to be able to show your family members Jesus. And this is how we're going to do it. This is how we are going to do it tonight. First, got to aim our actions. Now, I'm not saying you got to hit the target. You just need to aim your actions. You see, the way we treat our family will show them whether or not, show them the gospel, right? Okay, so the way we aim our actions. So let's give me, let's have an example here. Do you treat them like they're the scum of the earth? Or do you treat them like God made them? And they are his children. Whether they believe in Jesus or not, how do you treat your mom or your dad, your brother or your sister, your grandmother, your grandfather, your aunt or your uncle? How do you treat them? Do you, I don't know, whenever they take something, like a piece of clothing. This is a big one in my house, right? Do they, if they take your favorite shirt, are you quick to just be like, that's my shirt, take it off right now. And you start trying to take it off of them. Or do you say, oh, that looks really good on you and just let it fly. How do you treat your family, your actions? When your mom or dad asks you to take out the trash, now I hated taking out the trash because our trash cans always smelled and I always found a reason not to take out the trash. But are your actions gonna be Christ honoring by actually doing it when they ask to say, hey, can you take out the trash without a complaint, not a word, you just get up from whatever you're doing, you grab the bag and you take it out and then you go back to whatever you're doing. I know that seems dumb, but it's a really simple way to show someone that you love them and you care about them because, one, you didn't talk back to them. Two, you did what they asked. And three, it shows that you were honoring your mother and father and being obedient to what God has asked you to do. Now, this one's really tough, and my siblings would tell you this. They would tell you I'm the worst at this in the world, actually. Um, When we aim our actions, one of our actions we aim to do is to serve our siblings. How hard is that, right? Right? serving our siblings because what's ours is ours right they don't need any of that false false how are you going to serve your siblings the first thing you need to think about for your sibling that might not know Jesus is how do they respond to love so Melissa as you saw that lovely picture Melissa does not respond to physical touch well right Courtney goes in for a hug Melissa pushes away I still try. It's never going to happen because Melissa is a words of affirmation person. Melissa wants me to tell her what I notice about her and the way God has made her so that she's fearfully and wonderfully made and that, that she is made in God's image. It's, it's through writing her notes and sending her letters that she knows that, God, that I love her and I'm able to serve her. So how are you able to serve your siblings? Do you sacrifice for them? So you know your sibling has a big te- end-of-course exam coming up, all right? Y'all are pretty much all done with those, right? Yeah, kind of? No, you're in the middle? Okay, so this is a good example. So say you have an end-of-course exam coming, and you know your siblings is on Friday, and yours isn't till Tuesday, and you're not going to study for yours. Well, are you going to have... A chance where you know your sibling has to do some sort of chore or something around the house. And perhaps you sacrifice your own free time and you do that thing for your sibling to serve them and show them how much you love them, which in turn shows them how much Jesus loves them. What are you going to do? Are you going to serve your siblings? I want you to aim your actions this week. That's what we really want to focus on. Then our next one we want to do is we want to watch our words. Just like Jesus... The way that he responded to his parents and the way he responded to being his frantic parents, like his mom, like, why would you do that to us? Like, come on, let's be honest. Our sarcastic selves back at him be like, because I wanted to, like, whatever. I want to yell at you. That's not the heart of Jesus, guys. That's not, that's not who he is and what he wants to be, what he wants us to be. We need to watch our words. You see, in James, it talks all about how we should be slow. Uh, I got to read it because I always say it wrong. I stink. Okay. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When's the last time that you stopped and you listened to someone instead of starting speaking with your words? The last way I want us to think about how we can actually share the gospel at home is by sharing your story. And I don't mean go home and be like, when I was five, I gave my life to Jesus and my life has changed since then because of this, this, and this. Now, if you have the dialogue with your parents to be able to do that, go for it. But what I mean is, I mean not shutting our, our parents down. By being the conversation starter, my biggest thing my parents would tell you was when they would pick me up from, what was it called then, 247, all right? When they would pick me up from Sunday nights, I would get in the car and my mom would say, what did you learn tonight? And I'd be like, Mom, why are you asking me that? Don't you know I learned about Jesus? True story, guys. True story. And every week, my mom would call me, call me a holy roller in the church girl because she would say, well, what did the church girl learn this week? And she knew she wasn't going to get a kind, loving, God-honoring response out of me. And so I want you to be the opposite of how I was. And I want you to aim to start a conversation and share your story, the story of what happened here tonight. One simple thing that happened here tonight. You be the person that starts that with your family because it'll help you to share that story with them. The way we talk about God is also how we share our story. You see, it's really easy to just flounce around the lines of what God is doing and what just happens, right? unless we're aware of how the Holy Spirit is moving throughout each and every space, each and every day, we may not always connect it back to what God is doing. So maybe that hard work you put in for studying for a test, instead of claiming all the glory for how well, how much you study and all the flashcards that you made, maybe you say, maybe through that work that I did that God honored that and through that I was able to succeed. And to share that with your parents rather than just taking all the glory for yourself. Sharing our story is a hard thing to do because it it makes you vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable to those emotions that you really don't want to share. Because let's be real, it's really hard to share our true feelings with our parents. It's easy to share them with our friends, but when it comes to our parents, there's something that shuts us down and doesn't let us share those vulnerable thoughts and feelings. Why do these things matter? Why do they matter? because it's the eternity of that person in your brain that's at stake will they spend eternity in heaven with jesus or to be blatantly honest are they going to be in hell where is that person in your mind going to be and how are you going to change your the way you act to reflect the gospel of jesus to your family Tonight we're going to hear a story um, of two people, of one person you know, one person you might not know. Um, their names are Maddie and Kelsey, and you see Maddie grew up in our student ministry, and she, um, she, her family weren't wasn't believers, guys. And Maddie made it her mission. She made it her mission, and I want you to hear what happens next. Check out this story.
1: So I guess it started for me when I um, got in sixth grade and became good friends with um, Sarah and Adam and Ben, who went to Stoked, um, which was the middle school united then. And uh, they they were talking to me about how great it was and how fun it was and how much fun I'd have if I went. And I was iffy about it at first, but they continued to invite me. And then I started going. And um, at first it was like a social event, but then I eventually got saved. And then from the point where I got saved at camp. Um, between 6th and 7th grade, um, I decided that it was going to be my mission to like, pray for my family and bring my family to church. And so, especially Kelsey, because she's like my only sister. So I really wanted to like invest in her life and invest in my home life um, and show them like what God's love is all about. So yeah, so then I guess I really prayed for them for I think it was like 10 years because um, I'm like 21 I think it was like 10 years of prayer for my family. So uh, I've been praying for them for a long time. And it like got to the point recently where I was just like, well, it's never going to happen. I might as well like, give up on prayer for them. But um, we actually had the series Everybody Has One. And that's where I um, decided that I was going to, um, Jerry told us to write down the name of somebody that we really wanted to pray for and really wanted to come to church and our one person that, that uh, we wanted to bring. So, I wrote Kelsey's name and I put it on the stage and I sat there for a good minute and I, I just prayed over her and I prayed over her name and I prayed that she'd come to church. And then I guess the, pic, the story picks up in her life after that. <laughs> so.
2: I had no idea that she did that. She didn't tell me or, you know, no one told me that they were praying for me or, you know, any of that. So, about a week later, I guess I started you know, thinking about it more and I actually like picked up a Bible and started like reading it for the first time and I realized that it really like applied to life in general, like every aspect of life and I was like, wow, this is like the handbook to life. Like (laughs) I was always like, I was always searching, I guess. I guess I had a void kind of Um, and actually the first time I went to um, church with her on Sunday, or, uh, it was yeah. uh, the Impossible Project and oh, yeah. the beginning of it, and Pastor Jerry was talking about you know having a void in your heart that only God can fill, and I think that's what it was for me because I was always searching for that. I struggled with anxiety and depression a lot growing up, and um, I would find I would seek help in like self help books and like trying to help other people when I couldn't even help myself, and you know looking to fill that void in all the wrong places. I found myself in unhealthy relationships. Um, things that just brought me down further, honestly. <laughs> and uh, when Pastor Jerry said that at church, it really you know, resonated with me. And I realized that God was what needed to fill that void. Definitely never give up yeah. on your loved ones. Um, I myself never thought I would, you know, be the one to go to church every week. Um,
1: yeah. And, and I never thought she'd be there with me, honestly, <laughs> but, like, I just that, like, I almost gave up, and then I was like, no, nah, this is it, like, the series. So don't give up on your family. I mean, they will come around. Uh, even if it takes 10 years. <laughs> yeah, even if it takes 10 years, they'll don't come around. It. Don't give up. <laughs>
0: Y'all, 10 years Maddie prayed for her sister to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior. So I ask you two questions tonight. Do you know where your family stands? And if you do, who is that person, that person in your family that you are going to pray for tonight?